Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Thanks for listening. Action packed show coming your way for the next four hours. I am a Star Trek fan, as you may know if you've listened to the show for any length of time. And One film which is not one of the greatest Star Trek films but is chock full of great moments is Star Trek Generations. Now, most people know that as the final film in which William Shatner played Captain Kirk. But there's one line in that film in which Kirk is giving a little advice to the new captain of the Enterprise. I believe it's John Harriman. And he says, risk is part of the game if you want to sit in that chair. Why am I thinking about that? Why am I sharing that with you? That's because every day I feel like I'm being too critical of Eric Adams. Because, again, this is a guy that I find likable, a guy that I find intelligent, and a guy that I think I would agree with on a lot of issues. And I'm glad that he's there being a moderating influence on the Democratic Party rather than continuing to pull it to the left, particularly on crime-related issues. And I think to myself, well, every day this guy does something else that really ticks me off and I think is handling it very poorly. And I say, should I really criticize Eric Adams again? But then I think of that quote, and criticism is part of the game if you want to sit in that chair. It comes with being a mayor of the city of New York. And I see this article in the Daily Beast, and it says a week after the New York Times detailed how New York City Mayor Eric Adams' nocturnal habits are dominated by shady pals and two venues, Confider, which is part of the Daily Beast, has learned that his honor will celebrate his 62nd birthday this week with an exclusive party at yet another private members-only Manhattan club. There's a quote in the article. One nightlife source tells the Daily Beast they are fighting over Eric Adams like he's a Victoria's Secret model. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because at what point is enough enough? Now, I'm all for supporting nightlife. I'm a, I go to bars. I want the bar industry to do well. I want bartenders and waitresses and everybody else to do well. And I want people going to bars, both tourists and New Yorkers that live here. But at some point, don't the optics of this look bad with crime continuing to go up and the mayor is going out to these private swanky clubs every night? What if once in a while he went to clubs or bars in Staten Island or the Bronx or Brooklyn? Why does it always have to be these swanky members-only clubs? Show you're a man of the people. Think of the boon in business it would do to a local club or bar in the Bronx or Queens. Mr. Mayor, Diversify your nightlife. It's clear you're not going to change it. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning! 
everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Thanks for listening. The U.S. Supreme Court gets a lot of attention. It is the highest court in the land. Well, New York has its own version of the U.S. Supreme Court. It's not called the State Supreme Court. That's something else. It is the New York State Court of Appeals. That is the highest court in New York State. That's the court in New York that gets to decide if certain New York statutes are unconstitutional. That's the court of final jurisdiction. And outgoing Chief Judge Janet DeFiore, who is essentially retiring or resigning amidst a major scandal because she got into a big tussle with the head of the court officers union, Dennis Quirk, there's a big movement to get her disbarred. Wednesday was her final day in charge of the state judiciary after announcing her abrupt resignation. And now there are these groups that are trying to get her disbarred. I'll put that question aside for the time being. The thing that's interesting, there's a number of interesting controversies about this. One, she voted for her interim successor, which some people said she shouldn't have been doing. They say maybe it was not actually prohibited, but maybe it was unethical. I can't comment on that. But the one thing that I do want to comment on is how we choose the New York Court of Appeals judges. Even though all seven of the Court of Appeals judges were appointed by Democrats, there's this block of four conservative judges on the New York Court of Appeals that have been basically stymieing all the progressive attempts to do certain things. This includes gerrymandering, includes different criminal justice reforms, and this group of four conservatives in New York State, again, only one registered Republican among them, they've been sort of a a conservative backstop against progressive criminal justice issues. All seven of these people were appointed by a governor. Up until 1978, all of these judges were elected. And I believe the governor got to appoint the chief judge. When we had the judges panel on last week, one of the questions I brought up with them is, what's the right way to choose a judge? Is it through election or is it through appointment? And I still don't know the right answer, but I'll tell you, in seeing the importance that these judges play in our lives, getting to declare bills unconstitutional, and then to think that I have no say in actually selecting who these judges are, it doesn't sit right with me. Now, I recognize judicial elections bring with it a whole different can of worms. Do you want judges campaigning? Do you want them fundraising? Do you want the people funding their campaigns to be lawyers that appear before them? I get all that. But still, I do think there was something to be said for elections for the Court of Appeals judges. All the Supreme Court judges are elected. All the surrogate court judges are elected. All the civil court judges are elected. Maybe it's worth considering elections for the Court of Appeals. It's just a thought. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. A couple of quick notes. One is, I don't know if you've heard any of these 77 WABC 100th anniversary radio documentaries, but they're really terrific. They've been airing on Saturday afternoons. They've been put together by our production director, Chris Libertini, and he's done a great job. And I think part of uh, Chris's success is due to the fact that not only is he a skilled radio technician, but he's a big fan of radio and of uh, this station's history specifically. And I wanted to let you know that uh, this weekend, this Saturday, is going to focus on the Cats era, the current era of leadership and of ownership of WABC. And I was one of the people they interviewed 
for this radio documentary. So for those of you that are Moranaholics and don't like that I'm in the midst of this digital detox on Saturdays, well, you're still going to be able to hear my voice Saturday at 4 p.m. on WABC as part of the 100-year anniversary documentary. I'm looking forward to hearing the whole thing, and I'm going to have to catch the podcast because, as I said, I do shun electronics on Saturdays. The other thing I want to mention is I've been telling you about my efforts to raise money for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and we want you to do that. You can go to wabcradio.com slash walk, click on my picture, make a small donation. They're one of the best nonprofit groups in the world, and it's a group that uh, I've been very proud to raise money for. But the last 10 years, I've also been very active in raising money for the National Psoriasis Foundation. And I'm going to be participating in that walk at the Bronx Zoo in October. And if you want to make a contribution to those efforts, I would love it. And in fact, if you want to walk with me as part of my team, the Frankfurters, I just ordered T-shirts and everything, you can do so as well. I made I have a link to it on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Morano fan. That's facebook.com slash Morano fan. I've had psoriasis for, I guess, about 11 or 12 years. And uh, anybody that you know that has had psoriasis has probably shared with you what a burden this can be on all sorts of aspects of life. Now, I don't have it that bad, um, and it doesn't really stop me from doing anything at the moment because I'm largely in remission and I take medication, but I've met so many children over the years that have had really debilitating psoriasis, and on top of that, they get bullied in school in addition to their medical issues, and it just breaks my heart. And I love the work the National Psoriasis Foundation does to find a cure for this and to do some advocacy. So I'm going to try and raise some money if you'd like to help go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. If you walk around Manhattan, perhaps you've noticed this. I certainly have, and I've been wondering what the story is here. Blank Slate Coffee. It seems like overnight... All these coffee shops popped up all over Manhattan. And apparently, that's not far off from what happened. There is this new coffee startup that is taking on Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. In this country, the uh, we've basically had a duopoly where Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts control 66% of their retail market. And their ubiquity makes it very difficult for upstarters to break through. But... This Brooklyn-based coffee shop, Blank Street Coffee, they have a plan to sell cheaper coffee than Starbucks that tastes better than Dunkin' Donuts. There was this big article in the New York Times. I don't know if you saw it, but it started out, Blank Street Coffee, started out as a small electric coffee cart just two years ago. And it has since expanded to 40 locations across New York, Boston, and London. They're getting big on automation They're using a pair of tools to minimize the weight for customers. They have a mobile app that offers reward points for each order. And, uh, er, you know, they have um, espresso makers that turn out 700 drinks per hour. And this has been allowing Blank Street to keep its retail operation pretty small. Most stores are under 350 square feet. Another reason for the rapid growth is the $67 million the chain has raised from venture capitalists. Uh, all sorts of venture capital firms, Tiger Global, General Catalyst, which has also created skeptics out of some New Yorkers. Critics are condemning Blank Street's venture capital associations, accusing the chain of using its initial location to check the Williamsburg box. Unsurprisingly, Blank Street has ambitious goals. The founder said, 
we want to be the really good cup of coffee that you drink twice a day, every day. If they accomplish that, we may soon be talking about a coffee triopoly. I am a guy that always supports third-party candidates. I hate the two-party system, and I get what people are saying about the venture capitalist aspect of this, and I know venture capitalists have uh, sort of distorted different economic propositions in various other aspects of the economy. I am rooting for these guys to break up the Starbucks Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts duopoly. If for no other reason than I think consumers deserve more voices and more choices. I have not tried the coffee there. I have no idea how good it is. But from just a rooting point of view, I wouldn't mind seeing a third major coffee chain. Beam me up! To be continued.